once upon a time, a time of many times and no times, there was a beautiful, beautiful queen. She would sit at her window and look out over the vast queendom that she was queen of, and she would smile as she heard the bright laughter of children playing in the streets, the grunt and groaning of men hard at work, content, glad to be able to provide for their precious families. She was known throughout the lands for being a fair and just queen, one of integrity and grace, though at times she could be a little fierce, when the two parts of her came together, she would glide through the halls and there would be ripples of rose petals where she had trod. Sometimes, just sometimes, she would catch a glint in her mirror. A magic mirror, yes, but not a dark mirror. A mirror that would show her nonetheless those little parts of her that felt sad. Of where her heart was heavy with grief. And when she looked out of her window, she would see the tiniest fragment of glimpses of this same heavy, sad place in other women. But she didn't know how to reach them, didn't know how to communicate. She was the queen, after all, and it must never do that a queen would speak with her subjects about such things. Ah, but that was a part of it. She didn't see these people that she shared her life with as subjects. They were the same as her, people, beings, beautiful, love-filled creatures. But still there was this heavy place. She could see in this mirror of hers there was a, a tiny keyhole there. So there was a way to access it. But however much she searched and scrambled and looked under the bed and in the cupboards and on the top of the wardrobes, of course, there was no key to be found. Close by, in another village, there was a woman who could see many things, but spoke of them not that often. She knew exactly what was happening with the Queen. She felt it. She didn't, didn't have all the answers to everything, but in her own quiet, subtle, gentle way, she knew how to approach such things. She sat in her pantry on her little wooden stool, a bit rickety but still solid and firm, grooved gently into the shape of her, in such a way that she, she could find her place and sit and look at all the things that were on those wide wooden shelves. She would tap her fingers against her lips and her chin and she would ponder on these things and she would get a sniff of, mm, of those little bits of dried lavender. They would work nicely with the rose petals that are scattered by feet. And maybe, maybe a tiny, tiny touch of comfrey root and a zing of ginger. Oh, and perhaps a marigold, two marigolds, not too much. And steeped in a pot of nettle that had been gathered under the moon just that day before. It needed maybe mm, a bite of licorice to sweeten and thicken and sensualise it a little more. She smelt it, tasted it. Just right. Oh, but at the last moment she changed her mind and put in the tiniest bee size, one particular bee, the queen bee sized drop of raw honey into the mix where it melted, melted into the heart of it. She almost fancied she could see the shape of a key there on the surface of this tea she had brewed. 
She checked carefully in the cupboard for just the right two mugs that would sit there in the palm of the hand and nourish with the weight of them. And she poured the tea, as it called, into these mugs into these mugs, gathered her skirts and her basket and a little dog chirping behind her, for it was the kind of little dog that made a noise that sounded like a chirp more than a growl or a bark with its wagging tail and its bright whiskers. It was almost cat-like more than dog-like. Perhaps it was a hybrid of the two. Who knew in these types of villages and towns? Anyway, determinedly, the woman walked with her funny little familiar down through the lanes. Many called out and said hello to her, but she was quiet in her response. She didn't need to shout about her being. It shone brightly before her as she trod, and she marched up to the castle, up through the different rooms and banqueting halls, and the people busy with all kinds of schemes and plans, came to a stop before a self-important door, put down her basket, told her little familiar to hush, to sit patiently and wait, and she knocked three times in three short raps. The queen was startled out of her reverie. It wasn't often that people came and knocked on her door. She opened it, was delighted to see this woman there, there with her mugs, who just said, Hello. And she handed one of the mugs to the queen, and it did indeed sit comfortably in the queen's hand. And it did indeed nourish and comfort her with the weight of it. She smelt this wonderful rich concoction and she touched the mug to her lips and tasted of this wonderful rich concoction and it soothed. But she wasn't sure if it was the mixture or the woman that soothed her and she beckoned her in and invited her to come sit. No, said the woman. The queen was not used to this. No, she was saying no to her. No, the woman said it again to make it just so and clear. Come with me, she went on, and bring your mug. The queen was delighted, for this was somebody speaking to her in a new way, in a different way, seeing her. And so they walked down, down into the town, but further beyond to a place the queen knew of, but had never really been before. There was another woman there, and another, and the queen beckoned them and said, come, please, come, sit, sit with us, a share of my tea. And so they did, these four, no, five, no, six women sitting there, sharing around these mugs of rich tea, not really speaking, but just sitting with each other. The queen started to feel that this heaviness in her was lightning. She wasn't sure which it was that was making it happen, the tea or the women, but she felt lighter and she began to have an idea and started to gather all the ingredients needed to make a small fire in the centre of these women, her women. And she began to tell tales that she'd heard whispered about the halls of the castle and the palace and the posh gardens, but also the murmurs of the river as she stood on the bridge on a bright sunny morning. And the woman who had brought her tea started to speak too of how she would pick her herbs at her certain times and how she would sit on a little stool that was a bit rickety but moulded to her shape 
and she would listen to the herbs and the flowers and the spices and what they wanted to say and how they wanted to dance together and how they wanted to sing into another's throat. Slowly, more women started to gather around this fire. Other things, stools, started to appear and different mugs would be left. Then a big boiling pot and a little rack of herbs and spices. A table too. All these things started to be gathered as more and more women came to join in this place. And here more and more spoke of the part inside them that they couldn't quite reach, that felt heavy, but they likened they could sometimes see it in the embers of the fire as their evenings together came to an end. For we all must rest and tend to day-to-day -day activities. But they would see just this glimmer of the key, too, that seemed to fit into that place of heaviness and sadness, and it would soften for a while. They would go back into their day and tend with their children and their husbands and their farms and their gardens and their shops. They would carry with them in their breath, their belly, deep in their womb, this feeling of being, of being with beauty and a love and a knowing, but mostly, mostly an understanding. They didn't need to speak posh words. They didn't need to have highbrow ideas. It didn't matter if the hem of their skirt was dirty and they hadn't quite cleaned up the chips, nail varnish or covered the grey in their hair. It didn't matter if they wanted to wear their brightest lipstick and their poshest red shoes. It didn't matter if they wanted to show off their new dress or wear the same one they'd worn for every year of their life. None of it mattered. None of it mattered when they sat and gathered around the fires with their heavy mugs of nourishment and their slowly opening hearts. A curious thing began to happen, and it wasn't that more women gathered around this fire. It wasn't that their fierceness and their grace came to sit together in such a beautifully harmonious and strong way, though this did of course occur. It was that as each woman left, journeyed further away, she would take her mug of nourishment with her and share it with a new group of women and a new circle would start and she was queen of that gathering. Then from there, one of the other women would pass on the mug to another group of women and she would be queen of another one until the most marvellous thing came to be. Wherever anyone went in this time of many times and no time, wherever they went in the world, every woman that was met was a queen of a fierce grace. I want to add a little thank you to this. I thank you to all of you fierce grace queens and kings that we may sit with our mugs, with our honey bee keys, with our funny dog cat hybrid familiars, with our rose petal walks, that we sit in understanding even if we can't find the right words or even if we haven't many to say, that we have courage, that we have strength. I raise a mug to us, to all that we are, all we have been and all we shall be. With so very much love, the fairy tale apothecary.